we are excited to continue our series called Supernatural. My name is Eric Wakeling, one of the pastors here at Calvary, and looking forward to getting into this talk with you today on demons. Aren't you excited for that? You probably came. All right, you're pumped up. You're ready to talk about demons. Uh, but it is good. It's very important. I encourage you to get your Bibles, get your notes out from your, uh, from your bulletins, and we're going to dig into this topic because... It is. It's vitally important that we understand that this unseen realm, this supernatural world is real. That this is real, that there's a real battle taking place, and that we have a role in this. And so as we get into it, like one thing too, like it's so easy for us to think of of demons is something sort of out of like science fiction novels or movies or even something that, you know, we think takes place like, oh, demonic activity. That's something that's in third world countries with their mythical folklore tales and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But no, this kind of stuff happens here. It happens here. That we, we have seen, we have experienced even here at Calvary, you know, some some incredible stories of people who have been influenced, oppressed, and even possessed by demons. And uh, I'll even tell a story, uh, a little tease for next week. I'll tell a story next week as we talk about spiritual warfare uh, of something that I was a, a part of that was just crazy and radical, and, and, and you'll be kind of blown away. But there's a lot of these crazy radical stories that we could talk about, but actually it's so important for us to, to recognize that that is just a little tiny bit of what takes place with demons, what demons are trying to do. And so we're going to go, we're going to go to another sort of level with this because an analogy that's probably a poor analogy at some level, but analogy is of germs, right? Germs. We know that there are germs everywhere, right? There's germs all over the place and they can make us sick and we can't see these germs but we know that we have to do certain things. We have to act in certain ways. We have to believe certain things when it comes to germs, right? That's why we wash our hands and so we take medicine and so we eat right or take vitamin C or whatever, you know, all those kinds of things, even though we can't see them. And with demons in some, some sort of way is similar in the sense that we can't see them, but they're out there all over the place and they are trying to make a negative impact in the lives of both non-believers and believers. And we want to do the right sorts of things. We want to believe the right sorts of things when it comes to demons. Okay, so we're going to get into this. And there's a great quote that I think helps us uh, when we think about Satan and demons. And we're probably going to refer to this quote a few times in this series even. But from C.S. Lewis, it says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil's. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Okay, so you could be somewhere on that spectrum. You could just totally not even believe that demons are real. And you just think it's all just the natural world, what you can see in front of you. And you doubt any of this is, is even happening. And so that's unhealthy. But then you can also be unhealthy on the other extreme. And you're just so captivated and interested. And you want to dig deep. And you've maybe gotten yourself into some things that, you know, you just don't need to be getting yourself into. So we want to find what that right balance is. And so as we look into this, we're going to answer some questions. And, uh, you know, these sorts of questions, like what are demons? 
Some other questions that you'll see in your notes about, you know, how do demons affect Christians and what can we do about all that? And, and so we're going to answer even some questions about demon possession and, and, and all those sorts of things. But one thing I want to make you aware of right now is that next Sunday at 1.30, we're going to have a spiritual warfare workshop. Okay, so for a couple hours, uh, we'll have on Sunday afternoon to be able to dig a little bit deeper. Brandon and Desiree Elrod will be helping us out with that. And what we want even is that if you have questions today, uh, and even next week, but as you have questions today, grab the card, you know, the thing in the back of the seat right there in front of you, write spiritual warfare workshop and write your question. And then drop it in the offering buckets or at the little uh, boxes in the back sometime today. And then we can help just answer the right sorts of questions that you would have at that workshop. So we recognize that there's so much more than we can do in in, you know, around a half an hour here on a Sunday morning with this entire topic of demons. Uh, all right, so what are demons? There's a lot of Hollywood misconceptions about demons, as we said, the sort of, you know, ghosts. Is it Casper the Friendly Ghost? You know, sometimes people think about ghosts as demons. And we even had someone that said they had friendly little ghosts living in their home, and that's real, okay? Someone, that, that was someone's experience with demons, uh, we have other sorts of uh, misconceptions from just literature and movies and Dante Alighieri in 1321 wrote The Divine Comedy, which is where we pretty much have most of our misconceptions about Satan and demons that, you know, the whole uh, pitchforks with horns and all these sorts of things, right? That came from this guy's writings and we still carry that on today. And so we have, you know, a lot of those, but what we want to get into is what is the truth of it? And uh, the truth is that demons are fallen angels. You'll see in your notes on some of these points, there will be uh, a few to several uh, references. We're just going to hit one for each one, you know, due to time. But you can look up some others. That fallen angels, we see that Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Then he, God, will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, so Satan has his angels. We think a third of all of those angels that were kicked out of heaven, swept out of heaven, and now are the counterfeit version of angels. They are messengers of Satan. Okay, they are taking the message and the mission of Satan around. So in that same way that we, we learned last week, that Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. Yet, he has these messengers that go out for him to do his work around the world. To, to discourage us, to, to lie to us. We'll, we'll get into all of that. But these demons, have they, this has been prepared. This eternal fire has been prepared for them. The victory has been won by Jesus. But they want to take as many down with them as they can. They're angry with God. They are jealous of God. Their coup attempt did not work. God has kicked them out. And now they're trying to get their revenge upon those that God loves. His beautiful creation that was very good. Us, humanity, who God loves. And that they are just trying to take us down. It's that whole thing like Matt talked about last week with it's between, we're between D-Day and V-Day. But this battle is taking place. The victory's been won, but there's a battle still happening. So they're fallen angels Another thing is that they are idols. They're false gods. 
Whenever you see, you know, you read in the scriptures or you even read in history about these different false gods of the nations surrounding Israel or the idols, the Baal, Asherah, Molech, you know, all these different ones from Greek mythology and Roman mythology to these fertility gods like Kibola that you might read about. Like all of these different false gods, they are demonic in nature. At their root, they are demons. Okay, here's the thing. Here's a couple passages about this. Deuteronomy 32, 16 to 17. They made him, God, they made God jealous with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. So in the Old Testament, you see these people that are making sacrifices to idols. Yet it says these idols are demons, okay? Demons trying to say, no, 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 don't lift your eyes up to worship God in heaven, Yahweh God, no. Lift your eyes to worship a false god, another. I want to distract you and get your your eyes fixed on something else. Then as we get into the New Testament with this, we see in 1 Corinthians 10, 19 to 21, where where we get into, uh, this, this is in Corinth, right? So this is in Greece. So you've got Greece, you've got Rome, you've got Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and all of that is ruled by the Roman Empire, okay? And so it's just filled with emperor worship. It's filled with uh, worship of all of these, you know, Greek and Roman mythological gods. And there's some crazy stuff that, that takes place within all of this. And so you read Paul say to Corinth, What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. So it's like the actual statue, that's nothing, right? That is actually nothing in itself. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Because what you got going on here is you've got these people who become believers and they're, they're going and they're participating in the Lord's Supper and they're, they're breaking bread with their fellow believers and they're in these house churches that they've gotten started and they're, they're just trying to live this life, right, for Christ. But they live in this culture that says, hey, If you want to have your business succeed and you want to have like a social network that's going to get you somewhere, you have to also then go to this, this crazy orgy party worshiping Dionysus and, and, uh, you know, network with these other business people there. And part of that is that you're going to drink so much that you're going to throw up throughout the night in special basins we have for you. You're going to make sacrifices to Athena and to Artemis. You're going to, you know, have to say that I am a worshiper of Artemis for my business to be a part of sort of the union of the day, you know? And, and so that was crazy difficult for these people. That was a, a, a very hard challenge. And, and we have to get our heads into their mindsets of what it was like for them to have to live for Christ in this world. And that's why he's just so on it. You can't. Drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of Dionysus, demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of Artemis. You can't do this. And so they had to figure out a new way. 
you know? They had to gather together. They had to care for one another. And that's a, it's more stories for another time. But for us, for us, what are our idols? What are our false gods? We think about greed and money. We think about all those things that we place higher than God. What do you place higher than God? That is an idol in your life. And that has demonic roots to it. That is where the enemy is trying to lure you away from having your eyes fixed on Jesus. What are demons? Demons are also, we get this sort of, this thing of like territorial spirits. And, and what I mean by that is you see that demons would have power or control in a certain region of the world and even influence over world leaders of that area. In Daniel 10, this fascinating passage in Daniel 10 that says, uh, Daniel says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. This prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is allusion to this demon, okay? Then behold, Michael, okay, this is Michael the archangel. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Then he said, uh, Michael says, I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. Now, there's so much going on here, but what you have is that there's this prince of Persia who's this demonic sort of arch demon over this area of Persia. And Daniel's just so incredibly prophetic of what was happening because the kingdom of Persia ruled in that time. And then it came in, the kingdom of Greece came and took over from the Persians through Alexander the Great as he comes in and, and just and annihilates them and takes over the region. But you've got this sense that, that there's this demonic power affecting world leaders and affecting regions of the world. And you think about even the Middle East, and you think of even another, like, false god is actually named Isis. And, and so then this other Isis is coming through, and, you know, that must have demonic roots to it in, in that sense as well. So what are demons? There's probably so much more we could get into. If you've got more questions of just what are demons, write them down. Uh, but how do demons affect people and how do they affect Christians? Here's a great sort of overarching verse for this section. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. And again, this is for believers here, okay? Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That there is more going on. You've probably read that verse a million times, but like break that down to get into that sense like that there is a spiritual battle taking place in whatever you call that, a dimension or a realm that we cannot see, but that surrounds us and it is real and it is happening and that is what our battle is against. And to have that sense of discernment of how is, you know, how are things in your life, we don't want to just attribute everything to, to the devil in our life, not every single little thing, but to recognize when and how that the enemy is trying to destroy you, because that is his mission. And he does it along a spectrum kind of like this, what you see in the screen, okay? And this is in your bulletin as well, but there's a spectrum from, uh, and there can be additional things, temptation to this sense where we become regularly yielding to temptation, to then when we are held captive, 
And then there is to be demonized or demon-possessed. There's a lot of discussion over the, the wording to use there. But that's kind of the spectrum that, that it goes along. And so I want to look briefly at each of these. That temptation, that we are tempted by the devil or by demons. And this sort of temptation can come in a few different ways, has a few different looks to it. And the first would be to be enticed to sin. Kind of what you'd normally think of temptation, you know, enticed to do sinful things. And, and along the lines of James 1.14, when it says each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. So these sorts of, uh, of lusts that we would have in our lives, that we are tempted to do sin. And even the, the Greek in this passage in James 1 is, is like fishing terminology, are, are the roots of these words. So it's to be lured away and enticed. Okay, kind of like it's just the, the worm on a hook, you know, and they're trying to lure you away into this sorts of sin. All right, so each one is, is carried away by that. So that's one that would be enticed into these sorts of sins. Uh, even as we think about a lot of, even that whole spectrum of, of temptation to regularly yielding to held captive, uh, even just this week we learn more about how, uh, like, what are this, this huge, as much as you know, but just even more about the pervasiveness of pornography among people in the world, but also among Christians, and how pornography is, is a lust that people are enticed by. And within that, then, can become one that regularly yields themselves to it, and then can be held captive by it, and on and on. And so it's, it's just a, it's such a, a tangible, crazy example of how the enemy uses that, okay? He uses that to destroy you, to devour you. That's his mission, and that's what he's using with this. But we can also be lured and enticed by false belief. We're tempted into false belief. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay? That there is a way that demons are trying to get you to have a false belief about who Jesus is, about who God is, and even about sin. You know, that doctrines of demons would say, hey, this is a huge one out there right now. Hey, sin's only a sin if it hurts somebody, right? You know, that's a doctrine of a demon. That a sin is only a sin if it hurts somebody. Because a sin is a sin if God says it's a sin, right? That's a sin is a sin according to God's word. Anything that would take us away from God is a sin. But in our world today, no, no, no. If it feels good, you know, it's, that's fine. That's a, I would say that is, would be a doctrine of demons in our world today. Luring us away from the truth, but mostly even luring us away from the truth of who Jesus really is. James 3.14 shows you another way of, of, a, of a luring into false belief. And uh, this is even luring into false belief about yourself. Uh, James, it says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Okay, so it's so easy to get like demons. That means crazy demon possession stories and weird people that are, you know, wielding knives and screaming and guttural voices, which we've seen at Calvary. Okay, like those things. But... 
That's not really like the core of how demons are trying to get us. It's with this. Jealousy, selfish ambition. I feel like, you know, these are things that are harder for me. And that I could see can be a place that I have to say, no, no, no. Focus on what, you know, Christ would want me to be focused on. Humility, servanthood, whatever, you know, those sorts of things. And on him, Jesus himself. But when we start to have jealousy and we're jealous of that person or we think we're better than that person or we deserve this more than that person, that's when disorder and that's when uh, those evil things begin to creep in. So lured to false belief uh, and uh, as as well as I would say even lured uh, into like shame. Uh, lured into shame. We can have a sense of, it's not on the screen or anything, but just a sense of shame and a sense that our identity is that we are terrible, you know, and, and we can just be just completely crushed into worthlessness. And then the enemy will try to just capitalize on that, you know, capitalize on that and just crush you and crush you into shame. So then we move into this regularly yielding to temptation. And that's where we begin to make agreements with the enemy about the temptations that are coming our way. We begin to say, yeah, this is all right. This is a good thing. This is all right for me to do. I, I'm going I'm to keep doing this. This isn't bad. It could be about a false belief. It could be about a, a, a lustful sort of sin. This could be, you know, for you, if, even as I talked about pornography, it could be something in there with that. It could be crazy things like occultic practices uh, it could be anything, but that's why it could be anger, where it says in Ephesians 4, be angry, but do, and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. This is that, uh, even the other translation says, a foothold. That the enemy would start to sink his claws into you with this. That the enemy would start to have a way that they are able to have some control over you, to, to rule over you in some way because of all of this. When we regularly yield to temptation, that's what takes place. And then we can become, we can begin to be held captive. To be held captive as it comes to the next one. That it talks even in 2 Timothy about about believers that could be held captive. It says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Okay? We can see that when we allow those certain things to kind of take root in our lives, we can be held captive by the enemy. It even says we can be that, like, empty, empty deception, philosophies, thoughts from others that go against God can take us captive. So then we continue on with the, with the spectrum into this demonized or demon-possessed. And that's where we see Matthew 8, 16. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were, who were ill. And so we see that there are people who have been, you know, a demon has taken over them. They had to be cast out of them. All right? Now, this is uh, where we see some things that demons can do when it comes to demon possession we see that they, the demons could attack the person that they are indwelling. Okay, like throwing them to the ground, convulsions, 
illnesses, sicknesses, uh, all these sorts of things. Also can give physical strength to that person. And Mark 5 is the guy with the ch- that could break the chains off of him with, with strength that nobody could keep him down until Jesus cast the demons out and sent them into the pigs. That we've seen some that have the ability to, to tell the future, right? There's, in, in Acts 16, there's this, this woman that could, you know, that could tell the future, that would give people like a fortune teller, sort of psychic, like psychics that work, demonic, right? They can have power from demons. Um, I don't have time to get into that whole Asclepius thing, but we'll talk about it uh, some other time. But, <laughs> but possibly power to heal others. But what I want us to get in this, this sense here, before we move on too much farther, is that can Christians be possessed by a demon? Right? Huge question. And I'll be honest with you that this is a question that is highly, highly debated by both conservative and liberal um, biblical scholars. Like, there is a lot of difference of opinion across the spectrum on this. But I would lean towards that we cannot be indwelt by, you know, by a demon because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. As we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us, a demon could not also dwell within us. But it is my belief that a demon, whether it can indwell you or not, it can sink its claws into you and have the highest level of oppression and influence over you that you can imagine. And it's not like you can just be walking around and all of a sudden it's like a demon just jumps on you or something, okay? It's not like that, right? It's like... It's in the sense of you beginning to make a series of agreements with the enemy. That you're agreeing more and more and more with the deceptions and the lies that he is telling you. Until you are then more of that held captive. But the thing with the enemy is that it's all counterfeits, right? Well, we'll talk more about this, but it's all counterfeit. It's a counterfeit of what God is doing. As God, as the Holy Spirit indwells us, and then we have many fillings by the Holy Spirit to give us power, right? In that same way, the enemy wants to provide a counterfeit of that. A counterfeit of indwelling, and a counterfeit of filling to give power to do certain things. That, that everything that Satan and his demons do is a counterfeit of what Christ does for us. And so we have to like, be able to see that. But when we just get so focused on this whole, the crazy stories of demon possession, we lose these sorts of issues with shame and identity and authority. That our identity is in Christ, not in the ways that we have kind of pressed ourselves down and allowed us to be pressed down by the enemy. That, that our authority is in Christ and not in ourselves, right? That we have authority from the Father and we need to step into that authority, that we need to recognize that our shame that we've just allowed to just beat us down is from the enemy that he's just capitalizing on that. You might have some wound or something in your life and he's just, he's just hammering it, just punching that sore spot just over and over and over, right? And so we need to see how we have to ask the Holy Spirit to give us victory from those sorts of things because all that stuff, they're lies. They're lies. Satan is a liar. So his messengers are liars. John 8, 44, the end of it. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So whenever the enemy's trying to get you down to say that you're worthless, you're no good, you have nothing to offer the kingdom of God, that's a lie. 
Whenever you say, I've sinned too much and I, I could never go back to God. That's a lie from the enemy, right? Satan is trying to get you down when I can't stop looking at that porn. I can't stop doing this sin that I've been lured into. That's a lie. He's trying to hold you captive, but he's the father of lies. He's the counterfeit. He's the opposite. Jesus is the victory. Jesus is freedom. And with him, there's bondage. With the enemy, there's that bondage. And Jesus is trying to give you that freedom. So step into the freedom of Christ that comes in his great victory. And now, you know, there's a lot to talk about with this. And so I do encourage you, there's some books I've recommended and some others. Randy has another one, even addition to that list in the, in the bookstore you can check out, but it's in the next steps part. Just some other readings. If you want to dig into this, you can go to that workshop, but all of that. And so we want to get into, while we uh, have a few more minutes of what can we do to protect ourselves and not have to be someone that lives in fear. We don't want to live in fear. Jesus wasn't afraid of demons. Jesus stepped up face to face and said, you, I acknowledge that this is demonic. I acknowledge you are a demon. Get out of here, you know? And, and we, we are not Jesus. May I remind ourselves, you know? <laughs> you know, we are not Jesus, but we have authority that has been given us from him. We have authority from him. So there's some things that we can do to protect ourselves. And, and really kind of surrounding this passage you see on the screen, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So the first thing that we want to do is draw near to God. Draw near to him. That we want to uh, like immerse ourselves in the truth of his word. Knowing the truth matters. Knowing God matters. And, you know, when I said all that stuff about how, how Satan is that counterfeit, well, what do counterfeiters with money do? You know, like these people that, well, not counterfeiters, but like the experts on finding counterfeit money, what they do, maybe you've heard this before, but what they do is they study the real thing. They study the real thing of what real money is so much that they just know it so well of what it feels like, what it smells like, what it looks like. You know, every, every just like little micro speck of it, they know the real thing. They don't study the counterfeit, you know? And that's where even sometimes we can get ourselves into that too far, like C.S. Lewis said, into this unhealthy interest in demons and all of that, right? So we study the real thing, though, and then we'll know the counterfeit. So we need to know God's word. We need to know the truth of God's word and we just, we need to dig into it so much that when we would hear a, a message that is not of God, we would know it. But we also know that we can hear from God. I think the enemy tries to get us so afraid that we'll hear something false that he, that's the whole thing of, hey, you can't hear from God, you know? There's no ability to hear from God. It's like only the Bible and that's it. Well, we know the Bible. We know the Bible to be reliable. We don't know any other thing that we have to be absolutely reliable when we're hearing from God, but we immerse ourselves in the truth of God's word so much that when we would have something from God, we would know it. And if it's not from God, we would know it. And the Holy Spirit also helps us out with this a bit. John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we ask the Holy Spirit to help reveal truth to us as we hear from him. Okay? We don't just throw God's ability to speak to us out because of it, all right? 
So we immerse ourselves in truth. Our prayer life matters. What we fill our minds with matters. So we draw near to God. We, kind of, we need to avoid things that are going to take us away from God. We draw near to Him. And so what we put in matters. There's this verse in Matthew 12. It talks about this, un, Jesus talks about this unclean spirit. When it goes out of a man, it passes through and it can't find a place to rest. And it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. So it wants to go back. So it was cast out of a person and it wants to go back because it didn't find another place to rest. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. And then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. Because here's the thing. Here's what I get from this, okay? Is that if, some, if someone is going to have a demon cast out of them, if we are going to have things, the ways that demons oppress us or influence us, cast away from us, we cannot then just then leave that space empty. We are not about emptiness. We don't just empty ourselves, okay? We fill our minds with the things of God. We dwell on the things above. If you remove something, if you remove a demon from someone, right, and then there's just emptiness, we'll then come back. We need to be filling ourselves with the truth of God. All right. So then, what else? We need to then also resist the devil and his demons. Resist the devil and his demons. And we have some steps so there in your, in your bulletin. You can look at these. Uh, some things that we need to do. We need to give attention to the area that has made you susceptible to demonic attack. Where have you begun to make agreements with the enemy? For yourself, what's your area of weakness? What area are you susceptible to temptation? Whether that's false belief, lustful sin... Uh, jealousy, whatever that might be. Then, determine to resist. Okay? Determine to resist. Uh, Isaiah 50, uh, verse 7 says, I have set my face like flint. Like, I'm, uh, like, this is, I'm going to determine to resist with, as the Lord God helps me. Then, know who you are in Christ. Okay? Know who you are and the work that Jesus has done in you that cannot be taken away from you. And that's things like Romans 8. There's other passages, Romans 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not demons, not angels, not principalities, nothing. 1 John 3, 1, that you are children of God. You have been adopted into his family, and Satan cannot pull you out of that family. You are now part, you are now uh, sons and daughters of the Most High God, and you have an inheritance waiting for you, and that is your status. You also have resources in Christ that you might not even recognize. Ephesians 1.19, it says, What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? The strength of his might. That we have the power of the Holy Spirit. That gives, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Gives us power to resist sin. Gives us power to know what to say in certain circumstances. It's amazing that we have the power of the Holy Spirit with us. Then we need to deal with their ground for attack. Okay? To deal with it. Okay? To start to work on this sort of stuff. Turning away from God, ungodly involvement. Turning away from sin. Not just confessing, not just saying it, but repenting and then moving towards love and good deeds. Moving towards doing good things. And then, if necessary, deal directly and firmly with the demonic spirit. Now, this is a little bit more of what we'll get into more next week when we get into spiritual warfare. But we need to, to recognize that 
Jesus dealt directly and firmly with power and authority that comes from the Father. That uh, I, I also like to give us some, uh, like just sort of humility in this as well. Uh, I love Jude 9. It's my favorite when it comes to sort of spiritual warfare. It says, but Michael the archangel, okay? Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And this is why for me, I'm not saying it's wrong to say I rebuke you to Satan, but this is why I prefer to say the Lord rebuke you, Satan, okay? The Lord rebuke you. If it was good enough for Michael the archangel, it's good enough for me, okay? And so that's where we say the Lord, that's the power is in God, the authority is in God, that all of that comes from God, so the Lord rebuke you. But then we need to be meaningfully attached to other followers of Jesus. We need to have relationships with other believers in this room, within the church, this local body of believers that we care for each other and we pray, we solicit prayer support from one another. And so we are not standing in this alone. You know, we, we need to stand firm. Like last week, if you're here, it was powerful. We all came forward up in the front and we stand firm against the enemy together. And we pray for each other. And we know that we resist the enemy together. And so we have to help one another, pray for one another. And, and that's how we can stand and not fall. And we overcome evil with good. We are about good. We, we, we will not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So as we pursue, you're protected, you're safe, you're, you don't have to be afraid as you are drawing near to God, as you resist, and as you pursue good, as you do good, you know, you're, you're kept there, okay? So that's, those are some things that we can do. Again, more next week, but the, the final point for us is this. The spiritual battle is real, but Jesus has already won the war, Okay? This is a real battle. Things are happening. People are being taken out. But the war has been won. And I, I love, love this passage. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. It says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He, Jesus, made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, the enemy, the accusers, has decrees against you. But Jesus just canceled it out, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. I love that, that Jesus has the power over the enemy, over demons, over Satan. And he says, look, I've made a public display that they are defeated. That your sin, your shame has been nailed on the cross and that you are in me and I am the victor and that's what you can trust in. That's what you can rest in. Don't fear. The battle is still being fought, but the victory is won. But you know, at the same time, we got to recognize that it is a battle, okay? So you got to be in the battle. You got to be aware. You got to keep your eyes open. There was a lot of people in World War II that were still in prison camps after V-Day. So yeah, D-Day to V-Day, you know, it's true. But you know what? There's still some enemies out there holding people captive until they finally got there and were, were rescued. 
And it's like the, the, the devil's been shot, right? And it, you just imagine in a movie, he's been shot. And it's a fatal wound. Shot, 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 shot. But he's not dead, right? And he's falling. And it's like that thing where he's just kind of lifting his gun. And he's just taking some final pot shots. Trying to take people out with him, even though he's dead already. You know? And that's what we have to recognize, though. The victory's been won, but stay alert. Stay alert. The enemy is still trying to take you out. And he's trying to take out those who you love. So pray for them. Stand firm together. That we are in this together. And stop believing the lies. Stop believing the lies. I want to ask a couple questions to close. These are in your bullets and these are in your notes as well. Because I want you to think through these pretty seriously. What lies? What lies do you believe right now? What lies do you believe right now? What are those areas in your life? What's that one area that the enemy is starting to sink his claws into? What's the one spot he can exploit you and lie to you? Whether that's a false belief, attempting sin, shame, guilt, How can you replace them with the truth of God? I want you to think about that. Pray about that as we worship. As we sing. We're going to sing some amazing songs of victory. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. And there's power. There's power to break every chain that the enemy has placed on your life. And if he's beginning to place chains on you, the name of Jesus can break those chains. And we need to stand together. That's why we have things like Celebrate Recovery and counseling. Because we have to stand together because those aren't just secular (laughs) practices. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working through brothers and sisters in Christ that are coming around you, you know, to help you with things that have chained you. But that's also just why we have friends, right? Spiritual friends that care for us. And we we pray that the Spirit would break those chains in the name of Jesus. But we have to be honest about what those are. And then just, you know, like this. What areas are you flirting with sin or temptation? That is the influence of demons. Replace that with God's love and God's truth. We're going to have worship. We're going to have the stations available. You can come. You can take uh, communion. You can remember the work that Christ did that canceled your debt that he nailed to the cross all of your sin and shame as we take from the bread and the cup and remember his blood and body. We can give our offerings at the buckets as we give our money to say, I will not believe the lie that the enemy has said that this money is mine and not God's. That, that somehow all the, the lies that are attached to that. We will have people available at the prayer points at each end that even if you want to go pray in the prayer room with someone, uh, I'm going to walk over there. I'd love to pray with you. We have people that want to pray for you too, that, that God would break those chains. So let's pray together. Let's worship. Let's worship with, with passion that the enemy would be just so far away from this room that he can't help but get as far away as he can. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your strength, your power. 
Lord, I thank you that you have just completely defeated the enemy. And even though that battle still takes place, God, I pray that you would give us victory in you. That we would begin to to be honest and open and surrender these areas of our lives that, that are susceptible to demonic influence. And I pray, God, that you would rid us of them in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break the chains of sin, of pornography, of lust, of pride, of jealousy, of selfish ambition, of false belief, whatever it is. God, I pray that you would break the chains in the name of Jesus over the people in this room. I pray that we would experience victory in you beyond what we've ever experienced in you because you have healed us, God. Heal the people in this room this morning, God. May you give us courage to step forward and receive prayer. May you give us courage to be honest about that which binds us. And may we find freedom and victory in your name, Jesus. Amen.